everyday injustice. Too many wrongful convictions, corruption has infected the criminal justice system. Leaving too many people helpless, fighting for their lives instead of receiving justice, people suffer. Is that why they say justice is blind? Hello and welcome to the Everyday Injustice Podcast. I'm your host, David Greenwald. For the past 10 years, we have operated Vanguard Court Watches in California, including San Francisco, Sacramento, and Yolo counties. Our goal? Expose everyday court injustices, and now, more broadly, shine a spotlight on injustices in the entire criminal justice system, in the form of wrongful convictions, police and prosecutorial misconduct, and mass incarceration. This podcast hopes to take it a step further and highlight criminal justice reform on a national level. Everyday injustice. So today on Everyday Injustice, uh, we will be talking about a uh, juror pilot uh, initiative uh, that would uh, increase pay for jurors in an effort to improve the diversity of uh, the jury pool, which is a huge problem uh, that I've noted in my now 15 years of covering the courts. Um, And with us today, we have Deputy Public Defender Nikki Solis. Uh, She is the chair of the Racial Justice Committee at the San Francisco Public Defender's Office. And we have Ann Stuhldreher, Uh, who is the director of the Financial Justice Project in the office of the treasurer for the city and county of San Francisco. So welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having having us. So I think, you know, this is one of the more under-recognized problems that we have in the criminal legal system, because basically um, you have a large pool, unfortunately, of... uh, people of color who end up uh, accused in the criminal legal system, uh, but uh, you, uh, they end up being tried by a jury that really doesn't look like their peers because most of the people available for juror, uh, jury duty are either well off or they're retired. Um, and so you end up with these kind of older retired white folk uh, on juries, not that there's anything wrong with them per se, but if you don't have uh, balance, uh, then there's a problem. Uh, so uh, maybe you guys can talk a little bit about what AB 1452 would do. Well, if I may, AB 1452 is a law to allow the city and county of San Francisco to do the pilot project. So under the Code of Civil Procedure, um, Section 215, jurors are to get paid $15 a day. And I don't think that amount has changed in well over a decade, if not two. I think the last uh, perhaps time that 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 statute was even amended was back in 2004. So we're at $15 a day um, at 34 cents a mile. So what we uh, were, have been doing for at least the past year is um, researching and figuring out how we can compensate jurors who um, cannot serve due to financial hardship. And AB 1452 
uh, introduced by Assemblyman uh, Phil Ting helps us to uh, not contradict the, the current California law. So obviously we can't pass any kind of policy or any kind of legislation in San Francisco that's contrary to state law. So this is the bill that's going to even allow us to start the pilot project program with the help of uh, Assemblyman uh, Ting and, and uh, Senator uh, Scott Weiner. And of course we have um, the treasurer, city treasurer, uh, Mr. Cisneros and P.D. Raju and uh, Chesa Boudin, the district attorney on board. And we've been all working collaboratively and, and wonderfully together to, to try to make this happen because what we want is justice for San Franciscans. We don't want a certain outcome. That's why we have so many stakeholders at the table and in agreement because it's about participation. It's about allowing people to participate in the, in the process and having them be uh, a part of, uh, you know, our, our, our society in a way of, um, in the way of, of uh, civic duties. And it's something that is very, very important in all communities. So that's where we are. And maybe you can talk about how this came about. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, you know, it's, I remember when, um, uh, the public defender came over to our office to talk to Treasurer Cisneros and I um, about this, and you know, and and what what he and and others in the public defender's office were seeing, um, you know, I I think I and a lot of folks had never thought about it. You know, like you get your jury summons in the mail. Sometimes you're less than excited, you know, when when you see that. Um, but it really is, you know, the right to a jury of your peers is at the core of our justice system. And it's the only right um, that occurs in both the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. But in terms of what we're seeing, and, you know, you've both spoken to this, is juries that are um, wealthier, that are whiter, um, and that really don't reflect, um, you know, the diverse communities of our cities. And so we um, just want to make sure that everybody has, you know, as fair a shot as possible at, um, you know, this, which is really probably one of our highest kind of calls to, to civic duty. Um, so it was interesting, you know, after speaking to the public defender's office, we, um, you know, do all of our work in collaboration. And it was, you know, this was a problem that, um, you know, the DA's office was seeing, the Bar Association, everyone was agreeing, like, gosh, really, um, $15 a day, like for a lot of us, our employers um, compensate us for jury service. Um, but for so many people, if you're self-employed, you know, if you work in the gig economy, if you work at a small business, um, you know, if you happen to be unemployed, like it, you know, people, we need to uh, up the compensation level so we have a more economically diverse um, jury and hopefully a more, more racially diverse jury, again, just to make sure that the juries really, um, you know, reflect San Francisco and, and uh, 
And we think that's the that's really important to administer justice um, in our city. And and Nikki, uh, you know, as a public defender, can you speak to how important that jury composition actually is? Uh, it's extremely important, both on you know a, a legal and a um, moral level. Um, in Taylor versus Louisiana, which is 419 U.S. 522, that's my site as a lawyer, I like to give citations. Um, that case in an eight to one Supreme Court decision back in 1975 said that basically we are entitled to a jury of our peers uh, that makes a, a cross section of the community. And I've had cases where I've had an African-American client and zero African-American jurors sworn to serve. Uh, we have jurors who come in, some are um, folks of color and some have financial hardships and uh, we don't even get to talk to them. They just get dismissed because of their hardship. And so that is the unfortunate part of what we're seeing and we're trying to rectify it to the extent that we can and it's very narrow it's just for the folks who are unable to serve due to a financial hardship and so um, that that's where we are we have all have a right to a jury trial and we all have uh, a right to a jury of our peers and that's what we want to see um, I had a client in a very serious uh, case um, he was he was living in Chinatown in a very small uh, studio apartment, uh, an immigrant um, with his mom, with his dad, with two other siblings in a one room uh, uh, studio. And, you know, we didn't get anyone who remotely had his experience and his family's experience. We didn't have anyone serving from that that area of the city, Chinatown. We didn't have someone that looked like him. And, and, and that to me is what is important here. And it, sometimes it, it, it's, it's random who comes in, but we, we wanna make sure that when people are called to serve, they're not unable to based on money. So how would, this work? I mean, if you were a juror under this new system um, and you said it's only people that, uh, you know, have economic hardship. So how would, how would that be determined and when would that be determined? Well, I can tell you that I don't know that answer because that is a, a, a question to be answered when we get to that point. I can tell you what we're doing now. What, what we're doing now is when someone has a financial hardship, uh, the judge reviews it and determines, well, you know, this is too hard on your family. You're the only person who's providing and you're, uh, a, a, you, you have your own business or you're, or gig, you're in the gig economy and you, you're not getting paid by an employer. Uh, so, you know, you're, you're gone. So, that we never even cross the threshold of who you are, whether or not you're, you're able to serve. But as far as procedurally what's going to happen, I think that is a, for um, a later day. But what we envision is that uh, all who are unable to serve due to financial hardship would um, be offered uh, the option to stay uh, 
and and have get get one hundred dollars per day uh, in order to serve. Yeah, Nikki is um, exactly right. Um, so I think that uh, you know we're seeking kind of state authorization to conduct this pilot, and then um, you know we're going to be working collaboratively with the court to develop eligibility guidelines. Um, the resources, um, I think, will be targeted to individuals um, with low incomes. So, you know, say who are below, you know, some certain amount, um, you know, of area median income, um, you know, and also, you know, where their employer does not compensate or their employer doesn't compensate for the length of the jury trial, or they're self-employed, or they're unemployed. Um, so, you know, when, uh, if this bill is passed, um, you know, we'll be able to start this up in January. Um, and, you know, when people get their um, jury summons um, in the mail, you know, they're gonna learn about this program. Like, hey, you know, if, um, you know, if you uh, are worried about if there are financial barriers for you to serving, you know, that, that we have this, um, this offer, you know, that for folks with low incomes and um, where their employer doesn't already are, or cover their time on a jury, that, uh, you know, we can, can offer this $100 a day. And, you know, we, we really want to see what happens with this. You know, do we have juries that are more economically diverse, that are more racially diverse, um, you know, along the lines of what, um, you know, our public defender's office, our DAs, our bar association, um, what everyone would really like to see. Um, so has anywhere else in the country done something like this? You know, if, if they have, um, I, I would have to admit that I'm, I'm a terrible researcher then because I have searched high and low and there had been uh, some talk of it having been done or researched in, in Louisiana, uh, particularly in um, New Orleans. Uh, there was talk of it being done in Texas, Austin. And I have to say, I think I did my due diligence and I scoured the, uh, the country and, you know, it, 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 this is it, this is San Francisco, you know, California and, and, you know, we are always innovative and we always try things and show the rest of the state, rest of the country, rest of the world, um, what we're capable of. So as far as I know, this, this is uh, the first time that we're really getting this far. And what has the conversation been like as, uh, as this idea has, has been floating around and circulating? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I think for those of us who are less involved in um, courtrooms kind of day to day, like Nikki, folks in the DA's office, the courts, it was you know, to be candid, like I hadn't um, really thought about this, this barrier. Um, and, uh, but it's, you know, there's been a remarkable consensus um, as we've been talking to, 
you know, folks, um, you know, in San Francisco, in the mayor's office, um, you know, folks throughout City Hall, and also in the community. Um, you know, Nikki and I took part in a meeting with um, uh, a lot of different community groups, um, uh, uh, criminal justice reform groups, um, you know, and uh, it was, um, you know, I think people were very supportive. Um, it was a, a great meeting. It was also, you know, just to be totally honest, um, it made me realize, um, you know, just how much work we have to do. Uh, there are so many barriers, um, you know, to our, uh, you know, our justice system, to access to justice. So many people who believe that, you know, the system does not um, work for them. I think this is um, an important program and it's an important start, but, you know, we just, uh, we have a lot of work to do um, kind of in this space overall. Um, so I did some math um, and, uh, you know, the basic math is uh, $100 a day is kind of the equivalent of just under seven hours of uh, work uh, at $15 an hour. Um, so obviously it's not a tremendous amount of money, um, especially if you're living in San Francisco, um, but uh, it's definitely a lot more than $15 a day, uh, which is the current rate. Um, but how did you guys arrive at that or is it just because it was a nice round number? Well, I think your math is is very interesting because that's what we're looking at. Jury service is about seven hours a day, right? Uh, they usually come in at nine. Uh, court usually adjourns by four, four thirty. We have some breaks. We have lunch, so we sort of looked at what um, a fair, not a not necessarily a livable wage in San Francisco, but a fair hourly wage would be. And we didn't want it to necessarily. And we've talked about this. It might change. Who knows? Um, but we didn't want it to be something that was hourly. We wanted something to be very, uh, very, very um, basic and that there was really no incentive to stay longer or leave earlier. Uh, so that's, it seems like it was like a fair uh, amount to get to based on your approximate uh, hourly uh, uh, service. Um, yeah, and, and, and what, what is fair in, in our city. And any other thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, no, just what Nikki said. I think we wanted it to be simple for people to understand. We wanted it to pencil out to, you know, approximately what our minimum wage is in the city. Um, you know, we look, we wish it could be more, um, but we are piloting this with philanthropic dollars, um, which are limited, uh, you know, so we can really, um, test this out and learn. Um, I will say that, uh, you know, in our research leading up to this, like we did um, speak with many jurors who had um, requested a financial hardship. And again, it was, it was interesting. A lot of folks who um, work in the gig economy as um, drivers or delivery people or, or what have you. And, um, you know, they all said they had not served because they 
you know, if they don't work, they don't get paid. And, you know, we were asking like, would this be enough? You know, like, would this, you know, make a difference for you to serve? And, you know, people said, um, you know, ab absolutely. Um, you know, it, it's interesting, like San Francisco, um, you know, there, there is like a tremendous amount of wealth in our city um, right now. Uh, but, you know, what we're a city of 900,000 folks, um, you know, about 250,000 or, you know, may, I think, unfortunately, even more than that right now, um, have low inc have incomes that are low enough um, to be receiving Medi-Cal, uh, CalFresh, which are food stamps, um, you know, etc. We have a, a lot of folks in our city who are really um, struggling to get by and, uh, you know, um, being paid uh, a minimum wage, uh, you know, for a day's work um, in our research, you know, did seem to make a difference for folks. I do, you know, I think we all wish that, that it can be more, but I think it, it's what we can do right now to test this out. And I do think, you know, there's a there's a point that we haven't uh, raised here with respect to, you know, some of these trials, you know, two, three day trial. OK, you know, you think, oh, you know, I can kind of bite the bullet maybe for a few days. But, you know, some of these trials are long trials. I mean, you know, you, you can you can get hit in a six month trial and, and what are you going to do, uh, you know, to, to make ends meet? I mean, that's a big hit. Uh, for a lot of people. It is. And I've, I've had trials that lasted months. Um, and um, it is, it, it really knocks out of the box a lot of people um, who are from uh, lower income communities. And, and that's simply not, it's not fair. And, it, and it's not right. Um, I think that even doing the pilot program and, and talking to the folks in the community, the community-based organizations, the victims' rights um, advocate organizations, um, they have, they express so much support and enthusiasm. We know it's not a panacea for uh, making uh, jurors diverse, but we know that it will address the issue of folks being unable to serve due to, you know, what's in their wallet. And that shouldn't determine who gets to participate in our criminal legal system. You know, one thing that might surprise you, or maybe it won't, but um, is that for many years, I have tried to get data on what jury composition looks like. And it turns out nobody tracks these numbers, not, not at the courthouse, uh, uh, not in any of the counties that I've tried to do. So we don't actually actually know uh, what these juries look like other than what we see with our own eyes anecdotally. That's true. And, you know, we, 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 we wish we were in a post-racial society, but we know we are not like, you know, things occur and, and, and people have different perspectives and people have different experiences and all those experiences and all those perspectives mean something. And, and it means a lot when you're sitting next to a client and they see somebody that you know looks like them sitting there uh, judging the facts. 
you will have people who have more trust in the system and more faith in the system. And, and by putting this out there, you're going to have, you're going to generate an interest in civic participation. And, you know, that's a good thing. It's a great thing. And so, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's definitely, we're, we're definitely, I think, on the precipice of something that is really great, that's dynamic, that's good. And the, the interesting thing is that everyone on all sides seem to agree that it's a fair thing to do. And, and it addresses, at least in part, uh, a problem that we have uh, in, in jury selection. Um, we might not know the actual numbers. You might not be able to collect the data. But as a, as a trial attorney, I've done over 50 jury trials. I will tell you that we do not have diverse juries in, in San Francisco as far as, as, as racial makeup. Um, and, and there might be a lot of reasons for that. But we definitely want to take out that element of financial hardship out of that, um, out of that equation. And this is just a, a really direct and simple way um, to do it. And so, yeah, you, you won't probably find a data, but if you talk to defense attorneys, you'd be hard pressed to get three people in the entire pool um, who are, for instance, African-American. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's definitely, you, you are, I've had, I've been in trials actually, where a, a person, and it, sometimes it's not, it's someone of a wholly different race. And they, they stand up and they say, how could this man get a fair trial? Look at this jury room. Where are his peers? I've had that happen to me at least on three occasions in trial. And people start clapping. People start saying, yes, I was thinking that. So we know there's an issue and it's an easy one to resolve when it comes to uh, this, you know, this, this, this narrow um, segment of that, of that issue. And the scary thing is having been in jury trials in, in San Francisco and other counties, it's a lot better in San Francisco than a lot of other counties uh, in terms of uh, racial makeup, uh, believe it or not. Uh, I've seen much worse. Um, do we have a sense for how many people uh, we're talking about uh, with respect to uh, needing uh, this sort of uh, benefit uh, in order to uh, be able to sit on a jury like in a year or so? In a year? I, well, I mean, if you go panel by panel, I would say that now probably is it, you get more hardship requests based on what we're in right now with this pandemic. But even when I was, you know, doing trials and, and picking juries, I would say that a good chunk, probably about 15 to 20% of folks uh, had financial hardship. Now people have language hardships and all that. But when we're talking about financial hardship, there's a significant amount because a lot of people are struggling in our city right now um, and have been for years. So I was the lawyer, the type of lawyer when I picked juries. I would insist on going up into the jury room with my client. Um, and sometimes the judge allowed the client to go, sometimes not. And we can talk about that aspect of the law some other time. But I've sat in the jury uh, room where the assembly room, where they t show you the video and everything as a lawyer. 
with my briefcase, with my notes. And I watched who got uh, dismissed for financial hardship, who, who were given financial hardship. And so as I watched, I saw there was a problem as far as letting these folks go out the door simply because of um, monetary uh, limitations. And so I, I saw it firsthand. I can tell you that there, there is an issue there. And, and it, it, it's, not, it's not necessarily based on what you look like. It's, you know, there, there are people who are struggling in the city and they should be allowed to participate in the criminal legal system just like anyone else. Um, and is there anyone that's opposed to this proposal or, or is this just a matter of trying to figure out how to make the budget work? Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great question. Um, you know, no one, um, we haven't faced any um, significant opposition yet um, kind of on this bill. I think everyone agrees that this is a problem it's just a question of really how do we best address it? And just to kind of echo what Nikki just said, um, there was a survey done by, I think it was the Association of the Courts that found that about 35% of jurors that were served, uh, or I forget, it was 35% of people said that jury service um, you know, was, a, was a financial hardship. And in San Francisco, you know, there are a few thousand people each year who, who claim a, a financial hardship. And, you know, just what Nikki was just describing, like, you know, how can we administer justice when it's like, um, you know, the bigger your wallet or the better resource your employer makes it more likely that you're gonna sit in judgment of people in our city. Like that is just, you know, blatantly wrong. Um, so, you know, this is a really important and meaningful, I think, first step um, in, you know, uh, a lot of work that, that we have to do, you know, to make sure our justice system serves everyone fairly. And then finally, what what does the prognosis look like? I mean, is this uh, bill likely to get passed this term? Um, yeah, you know, we've we've got our fingers crossed. Um, yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, we're we're hopeful. There's a few weeks left in the session, and um, you know, it's it's got to move through a few committees and. Uh, and get to the to the governor's desk, um, but you know, so far so good. It's had um, uh, a lot of support, and it, it's been interesting. You know, as word of the bill has spread, it's um, you know surfaced lots of folks who are like, yes, you know, this is a, a really important fix that we need. Um, you know, not just in San Francisco, but in in California um, as well. Yeah, so I think I'm kind of in your boat that I knew there was a problem uh, with, uh, you know, the jury pool. In fact, uh, you know, I had actually tried in several counties, as I mentioned, uh, to get data on what that looked like um, and was unable to do, uh, which 
always uh, makes me suspicious as to what the data actually <laughs> looks like, right? Um, because if it looked good, uh, they, they seem to find a way to get it uh, to you. It's when it doesn't look good that they go, oh, we don't have that. We, we don't keep track of that. It's like, how could you not keep track of what the jury composition looks like? I digress. Um, but I hadn't thought of, uh, you know, the jury uh, pay issue as being a huge factor. Um, but, you know, this discussion has definitely uh, pushed me over clearly uh, to, to see the problem and, and see this as a clear solution. Um, so uh, as we wrap up, maybe quick closing thoughts by both of you. Well, you know, I just want to say like many years ago, many, many years ago, uh, Mano Raju, before he became public defender, uh, he was in management and he has, hey, he had been uh, having this torch uh, for for this thing. And, uh, and I'm glad that he saw it through and that others um, uh, agreed that it's something that should be done. I do want to say that if you're listening to this podcast and you ask yourself, what can I do? Why didn't they tell me what I can do? Hey, call your legislators, call your assemblymen, call your assemblywomen, call your senators and ask them to support this bill. Uh, just one phone call would probably uh, make a difference. Um, so just pick up the phone and, and call, you know, your local representative and say that you're in support of this because it's a project that will inform the rest of the state. Uh, we have great jurors in San Francisco, but um, it's always good to have more civic participation. It's always good to have more people engage in the process. And that's all we want. We want more people engaged in the process, not necessarily for a particular outcome, but just so that everybody gets to serve and everybody gets to be a part of our system and everybody gets to, to engage in the community and in the, in the, in, in the civic uh, duty process. And, and it's a beautiful thing, the more that we have folks engage and just having the project and doing the advertisement, I'm excited about it because I feel like People are going to say, what? This is this is something that sounds really good. I'm interested. Um, because believe it or not, folks don't even know how they can serve on juries. Um, they have they've never been called to service. Uh, so this is something that is going to do more than just that one thing. It's going to actually um, build interest in, in what we're doing in our courts. And who would be against that? I think that it's good for our communities. And? Yeah, um, exactly what Nikki said. <laughs> um, you know, if you do make that call to your representative, the bill number is um, AB 14, Assembly Bill uh, 1452. It is authored by our local representative, Phil Ting. Um, yeah, we're, we're really excited about it. And, you know, just as we've kept saying throughout this, the size of your wallet shouldn't determine if you... Um, you know, who should be able to serve and, and not on, on a jury. So yeah, we're, we're looking forward to hopefully getting this bill over the finish line and being able to hopefully try this out in San Francisco. Well, I want to thank you both for coming on. That's Nikki Solis from uh, the San Francisco Public Defender's Office and Ann Stuhldreher, uh, who is the director of the Financial Justice Project for the city and county of uh, San Francisco. This has been Everyday Injustice. 
I'm David Greenwald, your host. Join us again next time for more tales from the injustice system. Thank you to George Powell and Norman Mousequake Barrett for the use of our opening, Everyday Injustice. You can see more of George's music at www.justiceforgeorgepowell.com. That's justiceforgeorgepowell, all one word, dot com.